God has a dream and a plan for his people. Both for his church in general and for us at River Park Church in particular. In scripture, God's plans and dreams are always called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the future that God is bringing to earth already now. In fact, God's kingdom and God's covenant are the two main themes in scripture. One of the amazing things about our God is that whatever he is doing, he always invites us to join him, to join him in his plans and his dreams. So in this Advent season, we are going to be looking forward once again to Jesus' birth. We're going to be waiting. And as we wait, we're invited to embody at the Father's hope, his love, his joy, and his peace in our broken world through the power of the Holy Spirit. These four Advent themes, hope, love, joy, and peace, give us an opportunity to focus on the dream that God has for us at River Park in the months and the years to come. And as you can see behind me, we're going to start this morning looking at hope. I'm going to invite you to follow along with God's Word. Uh, I'll read it to us from Luke chapter 24 this morning. Uh, not a typical Advent text, but Luke 24, we'll read verses 13 through 32. Now, that same day, two of them were going into a village called Emmaus. This is the day, a few days after Jesus was crucified. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Who can give us that kilometers? They were, uh, they were talking to each other. Just over 10 kilometers. Sorry. They were talking with one another about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you talking about? What are you discussing together as you walk along the road? But they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, said, Ask, ye, ask him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened here in these days? What things? Jesus asked him. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's now the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. So he said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they argued, they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. And so he went to stay with them. 
When he was still at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So far, the reading of God's word. Imagine for a moment that you and a friend are going for a walk outside on one of these beautiful winter days that we're having. And somebody joins you. And he asks, What are you talking about? Odds are, you're going to respond exactly how Cleopas did. Are you the only one in Canada who doesn't know what everyone is talking about? The pandemic has been going on for almost two years now, and still we are dealing with it. Still it affects almost every area of our lives. We had hoped it would be over by now. Those three words speak volumes. We had hoped. Those three words from the road from the men on the road to Emmaus speak to their longing and their excitement, to their dreams and expectations growing quietly within them. To a hope that was so wonderful that they did not want to allow themselves to believe that it could be true. And then it all fell apart. All of their hopes came crashing to the ground. Jesus was dead. In a moment, their eagerness, their hope withered and died. They had less energy than ever before. Because what little they had, the hope, was taken away from them. They had nothing anymore. Not even hope. Those of us at River Park Church are not completely unlike the man on the road to Emmaus. These men had hoped, they said, for growth and for unity in their movement. They had hoped that Jesus would be the one to unify their people, the Israelites, and to grow their movement. They had hoped for unity and growth. And so they were disappointed when Jesus suffered and died. But of course we know, looking back, That Jesus was bringing unity and he was bringing growth, but not just to one ethnic group, not just to Israel, but to the entire kingdom of God. After nearly a year ministering here and getting to know and love you all, I can say with some confidence that I think River Park Church dreams of the same things as the men on the road to Emmaus. Of course, we have many other dreams as well, but We dream of growth and of unity. But like the man on the road to Emmaus, it's easy for us too to be discouraged, to be downcast. And so as we begin this Advent season together, I invite you to pause for a few moments to wonder what kind of growth and what kind of unity God wants to bring us today. Understanding God's dream for River Park Church will help us face the discouragement of today, but also to see the glory of God in our midst and in our world. Despite our ongoing pandemic, this year is still ordinary in many ways. Even as we enter the holiday season, there is the same uh, ups and downs that each Christmas year or each Christmas season holds. 
One Christmas song says, It's the most wonderful time of the year. They never leave my mic on for singing. That's all you're going to get out of me. If you know the song, then you know that it goes on to say that, uh, or to picture jingle bells and marshmallows and caroling and stories and glowing hearts and parties and all the things that many of us associate with the Christmas season. But behind all the advertisements and uh, bright lights, many of us experience the Christmas season differently as well. We look at ourselves and we say we had hoped for more this year. We had hoped to give different presents to our kids or grandkids. We had hoped to save more this year. We grieve because we had hoped to be with family and our loved ones are still far away. Still others of us feel we can't celebrate at all because God took away from us the person or the people we love most. We had hoped they would still be here. We had hoped as a church community that we would find unity sooner. We had hoped to have more opportunities to gather together, to fellowship with one another, to enjoy food and each other's company. We had hoped for so much more. But these days, so many of us walk with our faces downcast. We walk with the men on the road to Emmaus. How can we lift our faces and be cheerful when we have lost hope? Advent is a a season for us, an opportunity to renew our hope. God teaches us in his word, which Hank read for us so beautifully this morning, that there's only one way for people to be renewed in our hope. That is to put our hope in the Lord. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus again and again, each day anew. Those who hope in the Lord, Isaiah says, renew their strength. They soar on wings like eagles. They run and don't grow weary. They walk and they are not faint. If we're not careful, we miss the most important part of the story that we read together of Luke chapter 24. Luke tells us that Jesus responds to these two discouraged and downcast men. He says, didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things to enter his glory? But then Luke says something truly amazing. That beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. When Luke says all the scriptures, he's referring to the Old Testament. But Luke doesn't say that Jesus just picked out a few Old Testament figures and showed how those people foreshadowed the Messiah. Luke says that Jesus explained to them how all of it spoke about the Messiah. The stories of Joseph in Genesis and the laws in Numbers. The story of Hosea and his unfaithful wife and the list of all the exiles who returned to the promised land. Luke says that every last part of Scripture testifies to Jesus. How can this be? Well, Eugene Peterson says it this way. He says, absolutely everything in Scripture is livable. Not just true, but livable. 
Not just an idea or a cause, but livable in real life. Everything that is revealed in Jesus and in the Scriptures, the Gospel is there to be lived by ordinary Christians in ordinary times. This is the supernatural core, a lived resurrection and Holy Spirit core of the Christian life. The Old Testament is full of stories, of course, but also of laws and rules, of instructions and directions. Too often, one of the reasons we're discouraged, one of the reasons we lose hope, is because we deal with the fruit or the result of our discouragement, but we don't deal with the root of it. Individually, we take time to try to care for ourselves. We look for new habits to deal with our growing anxiety or discouragement or malaise. We try to run away, get out of town for a weekend or if we're lucky, a whole week. But communally, Francis Chan says that we think the problem is differences in theology or practice. So we spend a lot of time arguing about different passages in Scripture. We think that our unity will happen once we convert others, the other side to our opinion. But in reality, he says, our divisions and discouragement are caused by much deeper issues. When, all, when our love is shallow, all it takes is something as trivial as disagreements to divide us. And I would add, to discourage us. Discouragement leads to division and disorder. Brothers and sisters, this is how sin works. We know this. That as one old preacher said, that sin will always take you further than you want to go. Discouragement always leads to division and to disorder. But friends, the hope of the Lord leads to unity and to growth. We've been waiting a long time for this pandemic to be over. And now as we enter the Advent season, the season of waiting, you might well ask, well, what's the difference? What's the difference? We've been waiting already for a long time and now we're supposed to wait for another month? What's the point? Well, here it is. That Christian waiting is not something abstract, just as Christian hope is not something abstract. Advent is not waiting in general, but waiting for and watching for Jesus. It's focused watching and focused waiting on Jesus. It's eagerly expecting Him to fill our hearts and lives, expecting Him to enter into our communities, expecting Him to enter into our discouragement, into our downcast lives just as he did 2,000 years ago. Christian hope, likewise, is not hope in the abstract. It's not saying, well, I hope it will snow tomorrow, and I do hope it will snow tomorrow. It's been cold enough for long enough without being able to make a snowman. But Christian hope says that whatever the weather is, whatever's going on in our world, and however long the pandemic, we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. We keep our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith because we are convinced that only He will bring unity. Only He will bring new life to our church and to our, fa- to our spiritual family. 
We become willing and even eager to give up our power, to give up our plans, to give up our positions in order to see Jesus. And when we, when we leave from worship, when we leave from having been together with Jesus, like the men on the road to Emmaus, we say, we're not our hearts burning within us as we walked along the road because Jesus was with us and he is our hope. Paul says it this way in Romans 5. He says, Since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we even glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Our old NIV translation said, hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When love is shallow, you, uh, when love is shallow, Francis Chan says, all it takes is something as trivial as disagreement to divide us. But Paul reminds us that God's love, his great love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us so that we overflow with love and that we are filled with hope in Christ. And so as we think about our Advent hope, remember that our hope is not that we will become good enough to keep the Bible's commandments perfectly by ourselves. Our hope is in the one who has already kept them. Our hope is not that other people will change their minds or their actions or that do, join us or do things differently. Our hope is in the self-giving love of Christ who gave up everything to make us one with God and with one another. When we put our hope in ourselves and in our own plans, we either fall into that deep discouragement like the men on the road to Emmaus, or we are puffed up and arrogant with our pride like Adam and Eve. We think to ourselves, I can do it. I can be like God. I really do have all the answers. But Christian hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I'm not going to sing this one. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name. The more we put our hope in Christ, the more we yield our lives and our whole selves to him, the more we will taste and see and experience the kingdom of God, both here and now, and the hope of the kingdom that strengthens us in today and fills us into eternity. Our only hope for the future the future of River Park Church, the future of the Christian Reformed Church, and the future of the kingdom of God. Our only hope is to put our hope in Jesus Christ, the King of the kingdom. We need to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Then everything else, Jesus tells us, will be given to us as well. In other words, only Jesus can make all of our other dreams Come true. If we dream 
As I said we might, as we, I said we do, if River Park Church dreams of growth and unity, and if Jesus is the object of our hope, the focus of our hope, then how do we live in the hope of Advent? How do we hope in Jesus, even as we dream of growth and unity? Well, our witness to ourselves and to our world is that because we hope in Jesus, we no longer trust in ourselves. We don't fall into the pride, but we also don't fall into the despair or the discouragement that comes when we trust ourselves. The hope of Advent, hoping in Christ, allows us first to see ourselves in light of Christ, and then it also allows us to see one another as fully formed people. Not only that I am made in the image of God, but that you are as well. That each of us and all of us, just as we are, is made in, fully in the image of God. Those two parts are important. Speaking to seeing ourselves in light of the cross, the preacher Alistair Begg says this, that if I don't preach the gospel to myself each and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my own experience, which is a part of my fallenness. If I take my eyes off the cross, I can only give lip service to it, while at the same time living as if my salvation depends on me. As soon as you go there, he says, it will lead you either to that abject despair or to the horrible kind of arrogance. And it's only the cross of Christ that deals with both our despair and our arrogance. But with the humility that comes from seeing ourselves in light of Christ, we also develop the capacity and even the joy to see one another as fully formed image bearers of God as partners in his kingdom. When we're captivated by our hope in Christ, when we're neither despairing nor arrogant, then we can celebrate the full image of God in each other. In this way, Advent helps us to become eager to see in one another the multidimensional nature, the complex nature of the body of Christ. Because that's how God made all of us. He made us complex. He made us uh, multidimensional. There's not just one thing that's true or interesting or important about each of you. There are many. When we put our hope in Christ, we learn not to assume that just because we know one thing about somebody, that we know everything. That just because somebody's bad at one thing, like speaking English, for example, pick on Hank here for a minute, that they struggle in other areas too. No, that's not why we got Hank to read in Dutch. He speaks English just fine. But this is why we're having people read in other languages during Advent. It's one small way in which we can see and we can celebrate that each of us is uh, such a multidimensional and complex person. It's not that Hank can't speak English. It's that we can see and honor him better when he speaks the language of his heart, even if it sounds formal. And more than that, that we can see and appreciate and celebrate another dimension of the kingdom of God. Because we begin to gain an even bigger appreciation of who God is. Of who our King is. 
and how he has brought us all together as such different and diverse people to love him and serve him together as one uh, diverse family in such beautiful way. This is also why we're inviting you individually to participate in sharing your Christmas dreams this Advent. I didn't include this in the announcements because I wanted to share it as part of the sermon. But in this season, we know that we are not all gathered together. And so, uh, as a staff, we came up with the idea, we want to encourage you uh, to find one of these little cards out in the foyer there. To take a few minutes and to write a hope or a dream on that card that you have. And then hang it back on the tree. It doesn't have to be done only on Sunday. You can come in during the week if you're worshiping on Zoom. Uh, you can come in any time. Take a few minutes. Write down a hope or a dream that you have and put it on the tree. And as you return next week and in the weeks to come, or if you're here in the middle of the week, just pause and look at the tree. And we invite you to find one of those dreams, to take it off the tree, to take it home with you. To pray that God would answer someone else's prayer. That God would fulfill someone else's dream. It's one of the ways that we can see and celebrate the, the unique person that God has made each of us to be and the beautiful mosaic community, the diverse family that God is making us to be as a community. As one of your pastors, but also as a part of a generation where many have left the church, here's my dream. I dream of River Park becoming even more a diverse family. I dream that we become even more eager to see and to celebrate each person's unique dignity and abilities. A diverse family where we are all eager to make room for one another to share or to serve Jesus as we are in the way that's best for each of us. But that's just my dream. Jesus will take my dream. He will take your dream. He will take all of our dreams and he will make them beautiful together in his time when together we put our hope in him. So let's close this morning and ask God to, to give us unity, to give us growth in his kingdom, the unity and growth that comes when we put our hope in him. Please pray with me. Father God, in this season of big ups and downs, we remember that behind the lights and behind the celebration, it is easy for us to be discouraged, to be downcast. Father, teach us again. Teach our hearts to put our hope in you. We profess, Lord, as your church, that the unity and the growth that we desire as a community, and that the dreams we have as individuals, as families, and as communities, that these, Lord, will only find their fullest meaning and their fullest answer when we put our hope in you. So, Lord, help us as we begin this Advent season to fix our eyes on you. 
remind us your great love for us and to be eager not just to wait in the abstract but to put our hope in you to be eager to see you come into our lives into our community and into our city and beyond again this christmas season in jesus name we pray amen